Topic 15, Third Paper of 20th Century Negro Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. 20th Century Negro Literature. Topic 15, Third Paper by Reverend E. C. Morris, Doctor of Divinity. Is the young Negro an improvement morally on his father? On May 7, 1855, near Spring Place on the Canasauga in the Chestnut Hills of North Georgia, of slave parentage was born E. C. Morris now the president of the national baptist convention which is the largest deliberative body of negroes in the world the editor-in-chief of the sunday school series issued by the national baptist publishing board the president of the arkansas baptist state convention and pastor of the centennial baptist church of helena arkansas his early education was through the common school but practically from nature and necessity from earliest childhood he was peculiarly interested in men and things hence now possesses a large stock of knowledge concerning human nature is an advocate of prudence conservatism and manliness in all affairs bearing upon the relation of the races in this country he stands for self-help and racial integrity and believes that when man has acknowledged his inability and failure to ameliorate the ill conditions in this country god will settle the same and cause the deserved recognition of all men black and white he saw with his father the first train that passed through north georgia though the spectacle was quite an amusing draft on his youthful nerve for says he had i been older than five years it is questionable that my father by whose hand i was led could have detained me from the urgent business i felt i had back home when that mysteriously terrible locomotive came rushing down the track seemingly intent upon spending its fury upon no one else but me when elias was ten years old his parents james and cora morris moved into alabama settling at the little town of stevenson but elias had a short while before begun living with the late rev robert caver his brother-in-law at stevenson and so lived until he arrived at the age of twenty-one mr caver taught the young man the shoemaker's trade and the latter earned his bread upon the shoemaker's bench until thirty and three years old he felt a call to the gospel ministry 
immediately upon his conversion at the age of nineteen which took place just at the time when he had grown so inimical and impatient toward a revival that had been going on for several days in the church at stevenson that he had plotted mischievous disturbance of the meeting he grew in grace and general ability and in eighteen seventy nine accepted a call to the pastorate of the centennial baptist church of helena arkansas which position he has held continuously to the present time his ability as an organizer is fully recognized among his people he established and for the first two years edited the first religious paper published by the negroes in the state of arkansas in eighteen eighty four he organized the arkansas baptist college and for sixteen years has been chairman of its board of trustees for nineteen consecutive years he has been annually elected president of the arkansas baptist state convention in eighteen ninety four he was elected president of the national baptist convention whose constituency numbers about a million and a half and has been elected every year since to the same position under his leadership this society has been firmly unified and has enjoyed the greatest prosperity in its history it was his address before this convention at washington in eighteen ninety three that inspired an indomitable and uncompromising determination in the minds of the colored baptists to begin publishing interests of their own it was his active brain that conceived the idea of the national baptist young people's union board which board is located at nashville and so his progressive acts have multiplied as he has advanced in age and responsibility dr morris is an acknowledged adviser of the colored people of his community in all matters relating to their general uplift he is a friend to humanity and a lover of his race he is a possessor and advocate of wholeheartedness and sincerity being charitable to a difference or a fault his influence begins at home and spreads abroad and all distinctions that he bears are borne with gentlemanly modesty believing leadership to him a duty rather than an honor the subject of this article is a very important and delicate one important because it forms the base from which all the advancement made by the race for the last past thirty-six years must be measured and delicate because it makes comparison between father and son if there has been no improvement in the race morally since its emancipation from slavery then 
no real advancement has been made and to say that the negro has made no advancement would be sufficient to call forth universal derision it must be admitted in the beginning that to do full justice to the subject much study and space is required in the absence of comprehensive statistics on the subject and the time in which to compile the same several standpoints of reasoning must be assumed and these will be taken up in no regular order one being important as the others i do not attempt to go upon or set up a system of scientific theories either but simply to state and connect obvious facts the past and present moral status of the race is involved but i shall not go beyond that period in which the race was emancipated and will include as the fathers such as were the heads of families at that time and those who were born about that time constituting largely the heads of families now as the respective parties to the comparison what is here said in comparison of father and son is not intended as unfavorable criticism even where the language may appear uncomplimentary but rather to make a truthful statement of the virtues found in both i wish also to be understood as placing myself with those who have faith in the race to the extent that i believe a large majority of the freedmen and their descendants are moral and should be counted with the good and upright in heart such a decision cannot be reached however from a surface examination or outward appearances for it is a notorious fact that in all the years of the negro's life in this country he has been subjected to the most menial occupations such as would in a large measure prejudice the disinterested observer against any high opinion of his morals the subject is by no means a new one but has been investigated and discussed for a long time by great writers and thinkers opinions have been expressed which are by no means favorable to the race by no means favorable because of the ignorance of the party expressing the opinion many of these opinions have been formed and influenced by what is seen of the negro in the crowded streets of great cities at railroad depots or at steamboat landings or upon the great cotton rice and sugar plantations where thousands of negroes who are employed only as day laborers meet but these do not represent the majority of the negroes nor should opinions be formed of the moral status of this people out of what may be seen of them at places as above referred to any more than the morals of a great city like new york 
or Chicago should be judged by what is seen of the motley crowds that gather about the wharfs and in the congested streets and other places where the lowest element of society is to be seen in the majority. The Negro fathers of forty years ago were as good as the circumstances and conditions of that day required, and many of them showed themselves to be superior to the requirement. It is to be admitted that environment and teaching had much to do with moral development, and that neither of these were, as a rule, favorable to the fathers. The contraband life of the Negroes during the war was perhaps the best that could be provided at that time, but it was far from being conducive to good morals, and was not, in a moral sense, an improvement upon the plantation life prior to the war, when almost all the slaves were huddled by families in one-room cabins of what was known as the quarters. It was fortunate for the race and the fathers that the contraband life was of short duration, and the heads of families among the Negroes, as fast as they could get their loved ones together, began to settle in families all over the Southland. The privilege of being a free man, to come and go at will, had its evil effect upon the fathers for a few years, but they soon became enveloped with the desire that their children become educated and otherwise cultured, as were the children of their white neighbors. The desire to educate and accumulate for the good of the children became the restraining point in the lives of the fathers, and a very appreciable change for better morals was noticeable in the latter sixties and early seventies. Immediately following the close of the war, a great many missionary agencies set to work among the Negroes for the purpose of improving them morally and intellectually. These agencies operated among the old and young alike, but not with the same results, for it soon became known that very little change could be wrought among the aged ones whose superstitious notions of religious worship and peculiar ideas about white folks' religion made it a difficult task to teach them. Notwithstanding their superstition, the aged Negroes were singularly kind and respectful to their white neighbors, and permitted the white teachers, for nearly all teachers were white at that time, to have absolute control of their children, both as to home and school life. One of the attributes of morality is a happy conscience, or happiness, for there can be no true happiness where there is no morality. Hence, there existed an appreciable element of morality among the fathers, for, as a rule, no happier or more contented people could be found anywhere. I speak of the whole race. One may be a good servant, 
or a good neighbor and yet not a good man opportunities have much to do with developing the attributes of the soul many of those noble qualities which go to make a good man were latent in the fathers for there had been no opportunity for the development of these qualities the home is the foundation place of all that is good and grand in a race or nation wisdom and virtue are inseparable from a good home hence to make the comparison which my subject calls for we must inquire into the home and religious life of the present generation the young men from eighteen to twenty-one years of age who are so to speak in embryo with respect to questions affecting the progress of the race are not included in the summary we make and should not be considered directly in measuring the moral status of the race as to the homes of the fathers forty years ago very little can be said but late statistics show that there are over three hundred thousand homes and farms owned by the negroes in the united states which indicates that nearly two million of the nine million of our people live in their own homes the figures are very significant when it is remembered that the race started forty years ago four million and a half individuals with practically no homes the property value of the homes now owned is conservatively put at one billion dollars not a bad showing for a people who commenced forty years ago at zero in wealth but the accumulation of wealth does not always mean that the owner is moral yet the accumulation and maintenance of good homes present a better argument in favor of the good moral inclination of the people accumulating and maintaining these homes than can be produced in words these mean more than the mere ownership of a house and lot or a sixty-acre farm a respect for the first institution set up by the creator is thereby shown and that in that institution the family is one to love and honor and that there an altar is to be erected around which all are to kneel and worship god they mean that morality the foundation of all true greatness is to be enthroned there the establishment and maintenance of so many christian homes among our people has brought forward a demand which is a barometer of the moral changes and shows conclusively that the race is improving morally this demand is for the right kind of men as preachers and teachers the time was when a man who could read and write no matter what his character could find a place to preach and teach among our people this 
does not obtain now so much as before and the people are demanding that their teachers and spiritual advisers be men and women whose lives and characters are living epistles of virtue if proof of this point were necessary one would need only to refer to the continued upheavals in various communities in the schools and churches where war has been made upon those persons whose lives have been such as to arouse suspicion that they were unworthy the offices held the fact that these demands are being made for a pure ministry in a competent and worthy corps of teachers is encouraging in passing judgment upon the moral status of the young negro or in comparing this status with that of the father who has gone from the stage we will necessarily have to apply the multiplication process for it will require a life fully lived in all its details to constitute the sum total of a well-built character therefore the whole truth about the morals of the present generation will be known only to the next the processes used in the moral development of the race have been gradual and almost imperceptible in progress but they have been in progress nevertheless and promise great results the man who sowed his seeds yesterday does not expect to reap a harvest to-morrow cultivation is to follow planting the warm spring rains the hot rays of a summer sun are to come and moisten and warm the soil around the roots cause the blade to shoot forth and then harden the stalk and the grain these are to be followed by the cool winds and frosts of autumn before harvest comes the planting of moral principles in the present generation of negroes has been done the cultivating process is now going on by means of the buying of homes entering into business and agricultural pursuits building churches and schools and in educating the youth these facts point to the moral trend of the mind of the present generation but perhaps none of them in the same degree as the religious desire of the colored man a large percent of the negroes in this country are members of the christian churches than of any other race of people notwithstanding the criticism to the contrary they are as practical in their christianity as any set of people the matter of divorce has been a great problem to many of the most thoughtful men of the race and the frequent resort to the courts to obtain divorces has been used as an argument against the growth of the moral sentiment of the race but the very fact that such meets with opposition and is disapproved by the good people is evidence in favor of the negro's morals then again 
the class of negroes who have but little respect for the marriage vow are as a rule those who are indolent worthless and without a home and making no effort to obtain one but happily this class form but a small minority another virtue of the negro's character which comes only from a moral sentiment is gratitude he loves his benefactors and would gladly repay them for all they have done for him if he were able to do so if the mind was filled with sensuality deception hatred and like vices there would be no room for that noble characteristic gratitude which is so prominent in the present generation his gratitude extends beyond the individual benefactor to the flag of his country overlooking present conditions and remembering past favors he is always ready to dare and die for his country's honor we conclude by saying that the fathers who came up out of slavery unlettered and untrained did well the present generation of fathers or heads of families by reason of superior advantages are doing far better the race as a whole for the past thirty-six years has made a history for itself which will form the apex of its glory when it has passed through a century of training under its changed conditions from slavery to freedom end of topic fifteen third paper